Hello, so you join us for the second episode of Market Talk, which is a joint feature between Catering Insight and Food Service Equipment Journal, looking at the stories behind the headlines. Uh, today we have with us Irene Keel, who's a director at catering equipment dealer Sylvester Keel. And we have Mark Banton, who is the MD of Parry Catering Equipment, a British manufacturer. Hello. Okay, so <laughs> excellent. Thank you for joining us today. Um, if we start off with you, Irene, um, what, what do you, would you say is your response to Boris Johnson's announcement about a roadmap to easing the lockdown measures? How is that going to affect your company in particular? Um, well, I think for ourselves, uh, nothing will change dramatically right now. Uh, I think I feel quite relieved that he's, I feel quite confident that he's got a, a clear roadmap of what he wants to do, all dependent on how the virus uh, continues to decline. Um, I think for ourselves, we've, we've just got a couple of engineers that are on call just doing uh, breakdowns and emergency work for care homes and hospitals. Um, in view of the fact that there's still no hospitality and uh, education is still not um, open as yet, I think we'll, we'll be pretty much the same. I, my message I got from it was really was mainly construction. Um, um, you know, like we've discussed before, the fact that the, the transport is, is potentially a bit of an issue. But for ourselves personally, it, it's, we're just going to be plodding on as we have been doing. Nothing's really changed at the moment. Mm -hmm. And Mark, the same to you, what would your reaction be to the announcement? Well, I think it's pretty much as expected, to be honest. Um, I mean, regarding, we'll, we'll just be continuing to work on a weekly basis, which is what we've been doing for the last six or seven weeks. Um, it's literally, for us, it's literally doing a cash flow every week checking on orders every week and then making a decision at the end of the week on what we do the following week. So we just manufacture to order at the moment. The, uh, the announcement last night, obviously from Boris Johnson, it's you know, coming at it this morning and looking at what some of the early reaction has been. And, and there, there is a feeling, particularly from the operator perspective, that um, while it gives a, a small glimmer of hope, it's not really the, you know, the, the, the very clear instructions that that people would have liked um and you know in july seems the earliest time when we can expect to possibly open up again do you what what, are you, what is your response to that do you would you have liked to see a sort of clearer roadmap to get to that point or, or is, is that unreasonable at the moment i think it's unreasonable at the moment to ask for it to be any clearer i mean it will be good this afternoon it's probably the first time in a while that i want to watch the 330 um um questions and answers in Parliament. I think this might be the most popular programme on television at the moment, actually. Um, and I believe there's a big 50-page document that's going to come to that. So hopefully we'll get a little bit more detail. But, um, you know, the, the, the one thing that stands out for us as manufacturers is, um, is indicated the hospitality sector will be about July time. So um, it's obviously only an indication. We're starting to see a real decline now in orders. I mean, that's for the healthcare orders as well. Obviously, the catering orders dropped off a long time ago. So, um, our concern right now will be whether or not the uh, timeline on furloughing will be sufficient. And I, and I don't think it will. And I think it's going to be, you know, really going to be the same for a lot of catering equipment manufacturers. There's going to be a, a significant gap. Um, so, how that's going to be addressed. Is another question. 
Yeah, it does seem that um, the question being asked now is, well, this, first of all, there seems a lot of satisfaction with the industry that the, the support measures that have been provided so far have been, have been very good and helped the industry through this period. But, but clearly, the next question is what support will be provided after that point to help with the recovery? And I think this is what a lot of the, the hospitality trade bodies are asking for at the moment. Um, I, Irene, is that, a, is that a sort of concern you have when you, when you look at your customer base that they will they will get that support to help them through the other side of this period? Yeah, definitely, because uh, I think that uh, obviously there's the suggestion that we all want them to open, but the, the, there's no, um, we, we all know the facts are they're going to have to open with um, social distance in place, which is going to lower covers, going to lower their revenue, um, they're going to try and recoup that back. Um, and, and we're all on the back of that as well. They're going to need our help and support. However, they're going to need financial support because they're not going to be able to do the business that they were doing prior to, to this pandemic. Um, and I, I absolutely support the hospitality industry coming back. How it will uh, fare, who knows? I think you've got a percentage of people who wants to rush back and go out for a meal and have a pint in the pub. Then you've got other people that will be very cautious about it, thinking, oh, I don't know if I want to go, will it be safe? And these restaurateurs are going to have to face those challenges and deal with it. And, and the, the biggest issue is the social distancing, I think, as much as we know it's got to happen. I think for some businesses it may be impossible if they've got a very small kitchen or they've got a very small coffee shop. I think it'd be incredibly difficult for them to do that. In the climate at the moment, in the summer, yes, they could maybe offer outside seating, which is an absolute bonus, but come the autumn when it starts to, or a day like today, you, mm -hmm. really, you wouldn't want to sit outside because it's too cold. So that's another challenge. So I think it's, I think from a business owner's perspective and for, for you know, for customers coming through the door, there's, everybody's got their own challenges to meet. You know, I mean, I would think myself and Mark were in a similar situation. You mentioned earlier about the cash flow situation. Because you're still open for business, which obviously some businesses are not, you're managing your cash flow because you've still got to pay your suppliers. And some of your clients won't be paying because they can't. And it's just dominoes all the way down the line. And I think um, businesses in, in our similar situation will be feeling similar strains, really. Yeah, absolutely. So kind of in the meantime, I, I've seen that uh, a lot of the industry has kind of pivoted towards healthcare and, and uh, kind of that, that side of the supply chain. So I know that uh, Sylvester Keel recently helped to uh, convert a care home facility into a COVID recovery facility. So is that the kind of thing that you've been doing? Have you had many pro projects on the slate at the moment, Irene? No, we've only done that one project because we've got most of the staff furloughed anyway. We, we took a decision early on that we, we felt it was safer to keep the staff at home. But also the fact that the government introduced the furlough scheme, it, it's, it's a massive help to any business. So we've just literally kept a couple of engineers on and a few office staff. And we said we would only do emergency work that was the vital to the care and NHS sector. And then we was contacted about this, this job and we sort of asked the team and said, well, how do you feel about it? You know, we asked the team, do you want to do it? Because if you don't want to do it, we won't take it on. And they were, yeah, of course, we're up for it. We want to do it. Um, so we agreed to it and we said, right, okay, so what's the deadline? Two weeks. Oh, heck, how are we going to do that? <laughs> it's literally 14 days solid. Um, even our director, he went on site and helped out. 
And um, I think the team just felt they wanted to help. They felt really um, pleased that they could be there and doing something really good for the community. And um, yeah, it, it, there were some challenges though along the way because it was in the kitchen area, obviously the social distancing and there was a lot of contractors. It was a bit like DIY SOS, <laughs> trying to get it all completed and uh, everybody really, all the contractors locally pulled together and I think they had quite a good time if they were honest, as much as it was very hard work and we felt proud to, to be able to help really. But there was, we put, we, um, we, we put quite a few skills to, to the test really because we, we had to extract all the equipment, test it. We then mm -hmm. carried out, um, upgraded all the services and the electrical and then again and then working with the other contractors to do flooring and things like that. So yes, mm -hmm. it was good, um, but we've not taken on any other project work at the moment because we just wouldn't want to be able to deliver it in the standard we, we would like because we haven't got the team really. Yeah, sure. I mean, likewise, Mark Parry has kind of pivoted towards uh, providing healthcare equipment as well, or providing the healthcare sector with catering equipment. So can you talk us through that too? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, we, we had a, a range of healthcare products uh, sort of in the background for a long time. Um, and um, so sort of two, two weeks into this epidemic, we, we enhanced that range. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, we, we were caught quite by surprise to be honest because obviously quite suddenly all of the all of the catering orders drop off everything puts on hold all of the fabrications put on hold and then we start getting these inquiries for our mobile wash basin and of course everybody wants them immediately um, and we were getting inquiries first of all they started off in 20s then sort of 50s then 100s and then we got an inquiry for 8,000 so <laughs> We, we, we got to a position where we sat with inquiries for a product that we normally produce about 300 a year of um, and we've got inquiries for over 10,000. Wow. We've got zero stock because you know they, they'd already taken the stock so it was and, and obviously you know they, for, they, they were for frontline operations and um, so everybody wants them immediately. Mm -hmm. So it was it was a fantastic challenge because you know we've got a supply chain global supply chain unfortunately it is what it is we source from seven different countries for products for it um obviously we've got the covid19 we don't know if suppliers are short open or they're going to short the week after we don't know what stock they've got um and, and trying to turn a supply chain on for a product you do 300 a year to wanting to do potentially 300 a week um, so there was a lot of problems to get over on that supply chain and, and then we also had to look at um, parallel activities such as the value engineering the redesign doing R&D on new sub-assembly parts testing them out and trying to source them trying to get duality of, of uh, the supply chain as well wherever possible um, and then of course uh, remapping out all of our production operations so uh, new cell manufacturing and then um, fabrication guys who normally weld and cut and that sort of thing and form products were then on sub-assembly of a form for instance so you've got an, an element of retraining as well but what's interesting same as Irene said is that you know, once we actually got it going um, we talked to the staff and the staff are all happy about their welfare and the social distancing and this sort of thing it, there was a real buzz about the manufacturing you know so we first we started off estimating well we could do we could do sort of 200 a week 
Um, that was initial estimates, but then when we actually looked at it and mapped it out properly, we thought, well, do you know what? We could actually get up to 70 a day, that's 350 a week. Um, and we got a real um, good motivation from the shop floor. They were really um, interested in it because it was for frontline workers and operations, you know, so there was a good, real good buzz about the factory. Um, you know, and you can do all the lean manufacturing techniques in the world, but if you get people on board and if you get that culture, and you know, what you can actually achieve is, is fantastic. So I think we got a real good buzz out of the people on the shop floor because they knew they were, they were providing, you know, because obviously there was a lot of questions about the fact that they're at work. Um, you know, I had people coming to see me on a regular basis saying every time I get up and come out of the house to go to work, the curtains are going next door and they're looking at me as if what you're doing, you should be staying at home, you know, um, which is understandable. Um, but the fact that they're actually providing something that was going into um, Nightingale, uh, going into prisons and all this sort of thing was, was it really developed a good feeling. And it's, it's nice to, be, to, to feel as though you are contributing, you know, at, at a time like this. So it was a good did that, did that allow you to fulfill all the demands, Mark, or did you actually have to turn some orders away? Um, well, it, the, the inquiries were always around the lead time. Um, and um, we never turned any orders away. Now, we've produced, we've produced somewhere between um, 1,800 at the moment, um, and it seems to be in a second phase now. It seems as though that first phase that we think was all going to sort of frontline operations um, is probably fulfilled now, and, and what we're seeing is a lot of inquiries from uh, distributors who supply into the building, into construction, but also a lot into facilities management. Um, and so it, it's, um, it's not quite the same level of activity. I mean, this week we'll only do about 150 um, and we're getting more inquiries now for sanitizer stations, those sort of things as well. So it does seem as though that, that, those sectors now, and, I, and I, I, would, I would expect to see a little bit of acceleration with, you know, with the, the announcement yesterday. But we'll see, because, as I say, because it's, it literally is and has to be on a weekly basis that we, we look at where we are. Yeah. So you, you employ about 65 staff here in, in Draycott, is that right? Yeah, yeah, we're 65 staff. I furloughed a third at the moment. Um, okay. And as I say, it's, uh, that's, so we, we still, um, still can sort of do up to 300 mobile wash basins if the orders land. Okay, so um, in terms of going forwards then, so Irene for Sylvester Keel, how do you see the business kind of coming out of this period? What, what measures are you going to put into place uh, to kind of get everybody back on board and, and working safely out there if indeed there, there is any work? With fingers crossed that the hospitality industry opens up in, in short order. What we did um, prior to lockdown, we um, put as much social distancing in place that we could. Um, we put cleaning regimes in with the offices that were documented um, with all sanitizers, etc., um, and stopped um, all our sales team coming into the office. They were working from tablets either at home or on in their cars, things like that. We stopped visits to customers, um, and then we've continued it really. And then what we're trying to do is we're trying to plan who we're going to bring back and when and why. Um, but, we, but it's very difficult to so we know what the plan is for the phased back to work for businesses. Um, I expect maybe the care sector to carry on as it has been. 
don't know whether the service work may pick up slightly when people start, you know, that they start looking to more. We've been trying to get um, some servicing done over the period of time that we've been at the moment. The businesses that are closed, we've said, well, you know, why don't we come to servicing while it's quiet so that when you do pick up again, you're not going to have your equipment letting you down, things like that. So we'll probably continue to try and do that and just phase the engineers back in as and when we need them, really. Um, and then the staff, we, we don't have anybody working from home other than myself um, so we'll just bring the staff back in as and when they're needed with um, measures in place um, our desks are, are, are probably about two meters apart now anyway um, so um, you know I've just got to try and negotiate with the staff assure them that we've got everything in place so they feel comfortable to come back to work which I think to be honest with you it's like you said Matt the people that are working now feel really humble to be helping and they've got that even myself included, I think everyone's got that special little bit of part of them that feels like they're doing their bit. And that's why I think pretty much a lot of staff will be quite keen to come back because they've been at home for so long. I think they're so bored anyway. Mm -hmm. um, so I think as long as we assure them we've got things in place, then they'll be happy to come back. But I just think we're going to be dictated to by what the government plan is. And, and that's dictated to by how the uh, pandemic carries on or not. I mean, I am concerned about a second spike, as probably everybody else is. Um, and, and I don't think we can have a bit of a roadmap, a bit of a plan of action, but it's not going to be set in stone because none of us really know what's going to happen and when, do we? Which for Indeed. me, as a business owner, quite difficult to get my head around. So I like to have everything in order and know what I'm doing when. And life just isn't like that right now. <laughs> Yeah, I'm a, I'm a planner too. I, I love a good plan. <laughs> and, and so, so, yeah, so the same to Mark as well then. Like, obviously it has to be a, re a certain amount of reactive planning, but what would your roadmap be to get everything hopefully back up to full capacity at Parry? Well, we, we're quite fortunate. I mean, this factory is a 50,000 square foot, so we, we've got plenty of manufacturing space. You know, so and the factory is already laid out now um, with distinct cells that allow for social distancing. Um, we we made sure that um, all of the operators have got their own sort of power tools now, compressed air tools, so they're not sharing there. Plenty of wash facilities. So, from a point of view of the social distancing and accommodating all of the workforce, and this is the same in the offices as well. We're fortunate that we've got ample space. Um, so, so that, that's not an issue at all. Um, it will just be around what orders come in, you know, because we will not—I I will not manufacture to stop now because we have a we have a full warehouse of stock. Um, and if I manufacture to stop, then it just destroys our cash flow, and, and the cash flow is the king at the moment. Um, we're completely up to date with paying all of our suppliers and PAYE and VAT, which I'm delighted about. Unfortunately, I can't say the same about our debtors. So um, you can't put too sharp a point on the cash flow at the moment. Um, if the orders come in, we'll ramp up. If the orders don't come in, we'll have to furlough some more staff. Unfortunately, at the moment, I feel as though we're going to have to furlough some more staff way, way before it ramps up again. Um, and we're just, and, and that's all we do. I mean, we do have a six-month plan, but it's just a crystal ball. As I'm sure everybody says, as Irene says, it can only be on, on a weekly basis that you, that you look at this because it changes daily. And, and I think over the next couple of weeks, you're going to see a lot of changes as well. Um, and I think everybody will be listening to what the government has to say on the daily 
announcements um, and looking for little bits of improvement and, and what helps. So that's all we can do at the moment. Um, it's quite a unique business situation, but it is what it is. And we've got to deal with it. Mark, what, what would you say is the biggest uh, biggest lesson that you've learned from this from this period? Um, do you know what? I mean, if I just go back to this this issue that we've had with manufacturing the MWBs, which has been fantastic. Um, it is just that you know, even though we we talk and we understand that our supply chains are global as manufacturers, do you actually drill down into one single product? You perhaps underestimate so much. Um, this one product, as I said, is sourced from seven different countries. It has forty nine uh, subassembly parts, and it's all it is is a mobile hand wash basin with a stat and an element and a bowl. Um, so. I think that going forward, there's got to be some simplification for us on our supply chain. Um, it will have to be global, it always will be global, that's the nature of where we are from a manufacturing point of view, but surely we can make some um, savings and some benefits by not sourcing from so many different places. Yeah. One other thing, obviously, from the speech last night is that Boris Johnson said about factories reopening again. So for some manufacturers, sort of this week and beyond will now be the first time that they can consider doing that. Um, you've obviously been operational to a degree throughout the, the crisis. Um, what, what kind of um, advice would you give to, to a factory reopening up in terms of the social distancing measures? Have you had to change a lot of your protocols? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think I think the first thing, I mean, what we did initially, as soon as this, as soon as the announcements and lockdown happened to us, we 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 um, had a team brief with all of the shop floor, all of the set, all of the staff, the office staff. Um, we we've always had team briefs, but they've been probably every three to six months, depending on what's happening and whether there's anything to actually tell the staff about. So for me, the most important thing is um, is the communication with your staff, the welfare of the staff. You need to make them feel completely comfortable with what's happening in that environment. Um, if they want PPE, if there's PPE needed, just even marking out the floors. And, but it, it's about talking to the staff and making sure all their questions are answered. We've, we've done a, a hell of a lot over this period towards flexible working. Um, we've had people with furloughed that have actually come to see me because they were concerned that perhaps they're the partner is, was one of these people that had got to isolate for 12 weeks and they were concerned about coming to work um, and, and obviously taking something back from work. We've, we've got self-declaration forms where people have to self-declare every Monday that they come back to work, that they've not been in contact with anybody that's got COVID-19. And it all helps to build up confidence with the workforce. And, you know, it's very much about putting their onus on, the, on each person to say, well, have I been anywhere that I could have been exposed to the virus? Am I confident that I won't expose anybody at work? Um, and, and that sort of peer pressure, I think, helps generate confidence and it helps generate a, a, a good culture amongst the workforce. And I think any factory starting by, the first thing that they need to do is they really need to think about what the questions are that their employees are going to have. Everything from how they get to work, what time they start, where the wash facilities are, all these sorts of hygienic elements need to be addressed before they actually start and think about manufacturing anything. And, and I think the other thing is that we're, we're not a unionized workforce, but a lot of businesses are, a lot of manufacturers are. So 
the unions and, and the management need to be very, very tight and working together to convey the right messages to the, to the employees. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, just a quick last words to Irene then. Um, how do you feel that uh, Sylvester Keel has been kind of reassuring its own workforce? And also the same question that was asked to Mark earlier, what's the biggest lesson that you've learnt from this whole crisis? Um, well, I do think that planning for something like this, I, I, I don't believe anybody, if we'd have known, we could have planned it better, but nobody did know. Nobody, I don't think anybody could have predicted this happening. Um, I think a little bit on the lines of what Mark said, I think the supply chain has been the, the biggest headache, um, had we have had any foresight. And I think cash planning as well, if we didn't know, I think we would have um, maybe managed cash differently. Um, I don't know about you, Mark, as an owner, as an owner and uh, operationally running the business as well. I, I, myself, for the first, I think, four or five weeks of the lockdown was um, just sorting out cash flow forecasting, finance and HR. The HR has been a nightmare to manage, basically because the, um, uh, you know, the government couldn't, always finalise the rulings, they change rules and guidelines. So I, I think the planning of that for me personally, as a business owner, and I do look after the HR, I, I would have liked to have maybe had my ducks in a row a little bit more, had a, had a bit of forward planning. Um, but yeah, and with the staff sort of getting them back to work, it's, it's the same, you've just got to talk to them, make sure they feel confident to come back. Um, and manage the process. Um, I just think there's there's a lot of help out there for, for HR um, and finance, but it's finding the right type of help because I think there's sometimes a, you can go on the internet, there's a lot you can read and some of it isn't always true. Um, and we know when it comes to matters like that, you've, you've got to really try and get it right. Um, otherwise, it, as an owner, it can come back to bite you and that's, you know, it can be quite a bad time um, and we know that um, with HR things we've got to manage it because you know um, it's unknown territory as, as the saying has been said to me um, and we don't know what fallout there's going to be from this so yeah I think probably planning for me if, if, if I'd have had sort of a crystal ball which wow if we'd have all had one of those um, the planning would have been probably even more meticulous than it normally is um, but that said, uh, like you, Claire, I'm, I'm a planner anyway, annoyingly so. <laughs> uh, excellent stuff. Okay, so thank you very much for joining us today. I think we'll, we will uh, leave it there. So thank you for this episode of Market Talk and we'll be back soon with another one. <laughs>